Good morning, good morning. We welcome you to Big Woods Bible Church. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to take them and turn with me to Acts chapter 12 as we continue on in this story about the early church on the gospel-going global that we specifically have been dealing with the subject last week and also this week of prayer. I have to confess to you, as I was even preaching last week, that our immediate response has got to be, when we are faced with crises of problem or struggles, to go to the Lord in prayer. And I have to confess, I don't always do that. I am still in process. I am still growing alongside of each of you. God had a reminder this past week of how tiny I am when a project that I had on Monday was to take care of a a large branch about this big at the base that had snapped off from a big oak tree in our backyard, and it was dangling there. I wanted to get the branch pulled off. And it was too high for me to get a ladder up there. There was no branches for me to climb. So I began to think, okay, how can I get this branch off this big tree? And so I took a hammer, tied a rope onto it. I saw this somewhere and and threw the hammer up into the tree to wrap around the bushes, the, the branches, to pull it down. Well, I pulled and I pulled and I pulled and I couldn't get it. So I tied, it's a true story, I tied the rope onto the back of my Jeep. I'm like, I will pull this thing down. I pulled and I snapped the rope that then made the rope fly up to get stuck into the tree with the hammer. I will get this branch down. I took a crowbar, tied another piece of rope onto the crowbar and I threw after. That took several tries, but I eventually got the crowbar stuck up in the tree with the rope and began to pull and pull and pull. And I could not get it. I tied it onto the back of the Jeep. This time I will. I snapped the rope. At this time I have a crowbar and a hammer and two ropes stuck up in the tree. I get a third piece of rope. This is a true story. Somehow I get it tied and I am pulling and pulling and pulling and I'm standing in poison ivy in the woods completely soaked in sweat. And honest to goodness, the first time it occurred to me, I said, Lord, please, please just help me get this branch down. Two and a half hours I had been at this. My wife laughing at me from the window. I am not telling you the slightest bit. As I'm standing there about one minute after I prayed, that branch fell out of the tree. And I thought, I am like this, I'm like this big. I'm I'm telling people, you need to pray about everything. And then I go in my foolishness and create more destruction before I realize we must pray for anything and all things. We pray to a sovereign God. That's what we want to talk about this morning. Uh, Did you see the stars last night? Did anyone get a glimpse of God's creation? The one who flung those stars in place, that's who we go to. Let's do that now. Let's bow our heads and ask for God's help as we learn together. I don't know about you, but I am always, always, always in need of God's help. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, so much. 
that we are able to come directly to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Father, as we pause now for these few moments in the busyness of a summer that is getting started, going a thousand different directions, we have these few moments together. God, I would ask that something unique and special would happen, that that is evidence, Lord, that you are in charge of this place, of this body of believers, that you're in charge of my hearts, of all of our hearts. Father, I thank you for this amazing story from Scripture. God, I would ask, Lord, that we would pay close attention to it. We would learn from it. We would leave your house knowing that we have heard from you and you alone. We ask this in the strong name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The last time we were together, we talked. We learned that the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God, is accessed by the local church through frequent and fervent prayer. We actually witnessed last week in Acts chapter 12 a miracle at the hand of God as a result of this first church of believers that were praying very specifically to God for Peter by the church. Acts chapter 12 verse 5. We see this description of how to pray. Literally, literally, Peter was imprisoned, chained to four squads of soldiers around him. That, that is 16 of the best and the bravest, the finest trained soldiers in the Roman Empire, and yet we learn that they are no match for, an, for a holy and an infinite and a sovereign God. Literally, the chains fell off. The doors clanked open, and God's man walks out. I love the wording of one particular commentator that I I read this week on this portion of Scripture, and it was titled, The Folly of Fighting God. I thought about that. God has created us with emotion, no doubt. And let me tell you this, you are free. You may go ahead, if you want, and shake a fist at God. You can stomp your feet, you can curse, you can seethe and, and spit, and you can yell. But let me tell you this, you will never, ever win. I want you to be reminded of that. In this particular story in Scripture, in this narrative, we are given a reminder that God's perfect will is always going to be accomplished. Follow along as I pick up with me. We'll read our text for today. We pick it up at verse 12, Acts chapter 12. And we'll read down through the end of the chapter. Acts chapter 12, verse 12. When he, speaking of Peter, realized this, realized that he was free, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the, of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, get this, I love this, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gates. They said to her, you are out of your minds. 
But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened it, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now, when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Now, Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. And having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace. Because the country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting the voice of a god and not a man. Immediately, immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms. And breathed his last. Look at verse 24. But the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Two lessons I want to give to you this morning. The first one is this. You can write this down and remember it. You can go to the bank with this. Please remember this. Do not ever forget that God is sovereign. Do not ever forget that God is sovereign. Within that word, tucked neatly, within that word sovereign, is the word reign. God reigns over all. Since it was a sovereign God who set Peter free through the prayers of God's people, Peter decided in this story that we just read that the very place for him to go, he's, he's freed, was immediately to go to the home where he knew that people would be praying, and it was Mary's house. This is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is not Mary Magdalene. Okay, this is Mary, the mother of Peter's traveling companion, John Mark. She probably was a fairly wealthy woman because she had servants and she also apparently had a home that was large enough to hold this group. It's described as many people praying. So here here it is. As, As Peter was freed, he himself wanted to be the one who gives a report of answered prayer to this group of Christians who have been praying earnestly for him. So so Peter knocks at the door in the middle of the night. And it says what? A servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. I love this story within a story. You know me, I love kids. Kids crack me up. Rhoda cracks me up here. Kids get so excited that they forget. Today's the game. I'm so excited for the game. That they arrive at the game without their, their shoes on, without their glove in hands. Rhoda shares the story behind the story. It says that recognizing Peter's voice, 
In her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. She recognizes his voice. Apparently, she knows him well enough that she actually knows the sound of his voice. Now, we don't know exactly what it is that he said, but perhaps something as simply as what? It's me. Peter, open up. It's probably all. Doesn't want to make a large noise, a big fuss. Rhoda, I'm thinking she's probably 11 years old, maybe 12 years old. Recognizes, is so excited. It's what is called a wow moment for us. Amazed. Let's just again set this context a little bit. Let's kind of get what's happening. Big picture here. Pause and remember. Okay, what is happening? The church is growing. The church is growing because they are preaching a message that what? There is redemption that comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. As a result of that, there is repentance and people are following Christ and there is an explosion of growth. The entire culture is being turned upside down because of the influence and impact of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. James, the apostle, the brother of John recently, one of the key characters in all the church, has been martyred, has been killed by King Herod. King Herod, remember, his father has been murdered by his own grandfather. He's losing grip of the throne, and so he's doing whatever he can to appease the Jewish leaders, to to hold on, to hug his power. And so not only does he kill James, but he arrests and imprisoned Peter, and the outlook is not good. We talked about this last week. So what do we do? We called together a meeting. This church called together a meeting. And it was not a prayer. It was not a a meeting to discuss things, how serious of of a crisis it is, or or to debate the the content. It was a, a meeting simply to pray together. There's no doubt, no doubt in my mind that there was a sense of heaviness to this meeting. There's a sense of weight to it. I'm sure that as they got together, tears were even shed. It is a solemn moment. It's perhaps even a sad moment. You've probably been there before. You've exhausted all of your resources. And you go to the Lord because you are facing something that is just way too big and bad. And you pray. I I have been in those situations. Outside of a hospital, waiting in a waiting room on the side of the road in the middle of the woods, something comes up and you get together and you pray in front of the church. What is next? What are we going to do? What does this church do? They pray and they pray and they pray. We don't know specifics. Did they close their eyes? Did they bow their head? Did they hold their hands? Did they lie prostrate? Did they get on their knees? Did they pray audibly, out loud? They pray silently. We don't know any of those things. We just know that they prayed. And as they are praying, they have no idea to the events that have recently transpired. They have no idea about this angel that appeared. They have no idea of the light that was shining inside this dark prison. They have no idea about the shackles that fell off and the iron gates that opened. They have no idea what is happening All they know is that as they are intensely in prayer, there's a knock on the door. Maybe Rhoda is sitting closest to the door. Shh, Rhoda, could you go get the door? Someone's at it. 
typical. That's the way that we would do it. And after a moment or two, they hear this little girl, her, her little sandaled feet slapping on the stone floor. And she stops and she kind of slides across and she's like, he's here. It's Peter. And like Rhoda, Rhoda, honey, shh, listen, we know it's been a long day. We're all exhausted. Peter's in prison. We're praying for his release. Honey, why don't you come back and sit down and you can join us. You can continue to pray with us. And she said, no, stop praying. You can stop praying here. And what? The entire time there's a knock that is getting louder. And they go back and open the door. And this time there, there are, there are perhaps still tears, but they're not tears of sadness or heartache, but there's tears of joy. There are hugs. And there's this moment and Peter says, I have to tell you, I have got to tell you this story. And they're amazed. As I've read this and I've studied this, it makes me wonder, it makes me pause at how, how many times we are shocked that God has answered a prayer. And I thought to myself, why does that happen? Why are we too often surprised by God? As opposed to when Scripture tells us we are to pray, we are to pray expecting a knock on the door. We are to pray expecting a knock on the door. Listen to the instruction that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 21, in verse 22. It says, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. I love, I love the words of the old sage who said it's very, very well. When you pray for it to rain, you better take your umbrella when you leave your home. May I tell you this? Oh, how I desire that I pray with that kind of faith. Oh, how I desire that we as a church pray expectant of God to do great and marvelous and wonderful things. That's the way that we are instructed to pray. It's the way that we are taught to pray. That's what we see. Our brothers and sisters, the example, the, 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 the cover of the puzzle box that we keep in front of us as we try to put this together according to God's perfect plan. We model what's what we've been taught. We need to pray like that. As we see, as we continue on here, verse 18, some of my favorite words of the entire text. It says, Now when the day came, Morning comes. It says there was no little disturbance among the soldiers. The world doesn't know what to do when God's people pray. The New King James Version says it like this. There was no small stir among the soldiers. Eugene Peterson, a paraphrase, says it like this. This is English to English. Pastor Nick is teaching our youth about translations and paraphrase the difference. Eugene Peterson says this. At daybreak, the jail was in an uproar. Very descriptive. 
In the military, when there is something that is an uproar, it's no small stir. Let me tell you this. It's a big deal. I've not been in the military, but my father spent 12 years in the Navy. My uncles have served. My nephew's in the Marine Corps. My grandfather was killed in Battle of the Bulge in World War II. And I've read and I've listened. I've read their journals and I, and I have heard stories about when there's no small stir. Matter of fact, my own father spent two years stationed in Washington, D.C. with the Presidential Honor Guard with the U.S. Navy. He and, and my mom were just a very young married couple, and he was stationed um, on the USS Honeyfitz during the Kennedy administration. The USS Honeyfitz was a, a small yacht that was made to replicate PT-109 of, of John F. Kennedy's fame. My dad spent a lot of time on that boat. And one time, late at night, when they were, when dad was off duty, he actually, because of his clearance, was able to sneak my mother as a young couple on board the USS Honeyfits late at night. Just think, dad, just think. And, and on, on the Honeyfits was, was, uh, President Kennedy's rocker, he had a bad back, and there were certain rockers all over the place. And on his rocker was his leather bomber jacket with his patches all over it. They thought, wow, this is so cool. And so my mom put on the leather bomber jacket and sat in President Kennedy's rocking chair, and my dad took a picture of it that I have seen. And as they were going... Off of the boats late at night, they were caught. Dad describes it like this. There was no small stir. (laughs) He spent the next 14 months on a guided missile destroyer in the Mediterranean Sea, away from his wife and at that time young baby daughter who was born my sister. Dad always makes sure that I, I make sure I include he did. He, Twelve years later, he was honorably discharged, served with distinction. And think about it. This particular setting, at this particular setting, think about it like this. At this particular time, this is one, if not the most important prisoners this administration has ever held. Peter. And he completely vanished. Literally, he walks out in the middle of the night. You can be assured that there was no small stir. There is serious trouble. As a matter of fact, Herod didn't send the soldiers out to sea for several months. He had them killed. He had them executed for failing to do their duty. Very common for a Roman soldier who lost a prisoner. Now, one would normally think, okay, done deal, end of the story, soldiers are dead, Peter's free. That's not it. God has something to say here that is very clear. God has something to make very, very clear for anyone that desires to hurt and to harm his anointed. The final verses of of Acts chapter 12, we get a picture of, of the fact that God is not quite through with this menace to the local church. Let me give you the second reminder, the second lesson that you can learn today. Do not ever fail to give God the glory. Do not ever fail to give God the glory. In verse 21, it is recorded on a day that the king was doing what kings do. Herod was sitting on his throne. 
He's dressed in his kingly apparel and he is giving in oration. And God simply takes him out. Literally just, just cuts him off. The details are written in verse 23. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. Jewish historian Josephus, living in Rome, writes from the history books. On the second day of the spectacles, clad in a garment woven completely of silver so that its texture was indeed wondrous, he entered the theater at daybreak. There the silver illuminated by the touch of the first rays of the sun was wondrously radiant and by its glitter inspired fear and awe in those who gazed intently upon it. Straightway his flatterers raised their voices from various directions, though hardly for his good, addressing him as a god. If we have hitherto feared you as a man, yet henceforth we agree that you are more than mortal in your being. People are cheering. You are more than a mortal. You are more than a man. The king did not rebuke them, nor did he reject their flattery. But shortly thereafter, he felt a stab of pain in his heart. He was also gripped in his stomach by an ache that he felt everywhere at once. And that was intense from the start. Leaping up, he said, I, a God in your eyes, am now bidden to lay down my life. For fate brings immediate refutation of the lying words lately addressed to me. I, who was called immortal by you, am now under sentence of death, and he dies, according to historical records. We get a description here. You ever, ever wonder, why is this final detail included? Why, why is there this story of Herod? Why? Let, let, let me tell you, you know why? In my, in my heart of hearts, it's here for a purpose, and it's to remind you and I, Truth of the matter is this. You do not mess with a holy God. I think that's why it's there. You do not mess with God. All the way through Scripture. Listen to this. Job chapter 36 and verse 2. Behold, God is exalted in His power. Psalm 111. His hands are faithful and just. Holy and awesome is His name. Isaiah 28, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers. I will make justice the line. Revelation chapter 19, his judgments are true and just. We are told in Psalm 96, the whole earth is full of God's glory. In 1 Chronicles 16, we are to declare God's glory. Listen to the words of the psalmist in Psalm chapter 89. It says in verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, who, who is mighty as you are, O Lord? With your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it have found it then. The north and the south, you have created them. You have a mighty arm. 
Strong is your hand. High your right hand. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. But we see all the way throughout this theme, all the way throughout Scripture, that, that one never is to seek to demolish, to destroy, or dissolve the work of God because God will have something to say about it. Not only is He holy, but He is just. Be assured that God's punishments will never, ever, ever be avoidance. At this very moment, I preach, as I see very clearly in Scripture, the reality and the severity of a literal Hell that awaits for those who reject the God that we have just described in Scripture. For those that rebel against the gods that we have just read about in Scripture. That's what awaits those who refuse the God that we see in all of Scripture. And yet we live in a world today where there are so, so many people that are walking this oh-so-dangerous line blaspheming a holy God. We, we, can't, we can't even listen to, to much of what goes on by way of the media and the entertainment in this world because it is such a, a blasphemy against the holy gods. I, I read, and, and it's, it's difficult even to describe this, I read this horrific, there's a, there's a television, I think it, it has run its course. Um, HBO put it on called Curb Your Enthusiasm, and Larry David is the director. There's actually scenes in this particular show that, that he stands at one particular time and he urinates on an image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question was this, that was kind of posed for all. Did it go too far? Oh, how, how, how do people... How have they come to such a place? Individuals, I, I have heard of Bill Maher that writes and speaks in, in television as an entertainer, as a comedian, as a talk show host. I cannot and I will not quote what he has said about the Lord Jesus Christ and Christians. At one particular time, he was scathing and someone actually wrote for help. How do I respond to this? When someone attacks and criticizes, someone actually wrote, what do I say in response to that? A response came back from a Catholic priest to this woman who says, well, how do I respond to someone who blasphemes the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Listen to the words, listen to the instructions of a Padre Padre Pio. Hold on tightly to the rosary. Be very grateful to the Madonna because it was she who gave us Jesus. What? If Jesus is not mocked by the world, then Jesus is neglected by the world. That's the world's view. We must be so careful as we, as we troop our way through this world to understand that there is one that is of immeasurable power. There is one of holy justice that promises to deal fairly with any and all who mock him. And we think about this particular church, this early church. Who were they? They, they? they did not have any political clout. They had no friends in high places. 
They had no one on earth who could pull strings for them. And so what do they do? They go to the highest court. They go to the throne of grace. And on, on their knees in prayer, they understand they can go to only one who offers hope. A praying people. Because he knows that they know that he is a God who cares for them and loves them and will provide for them and will protect them. I love how this whole text closes, but the word of God increased and was multiplied in verse 24. Wow. As I was preparing for this, I was struck repeatedly with this idea. Why is it that we are still surprised by God? Why is it that I am surprised by God? Why is it that as I watch the very hand of God, the work of God, I am still shocked by that? Let, let, me, let me tell you, let me remind you, we are to never, ever be surprised by God. He is sovereign over all and He is glorious above all. Remember that. Look at how the story is completed. We, we began Acts chapter 12. And we look at the situation. The situation was this. Acts chapter 12 opens up. James is dead. Peter is in prison. And Herod sits on the throne. That's how Acts 12 opens. By the time Acts 12 closes, what, what, what happens? Herod is dead. Peter is freed and the word of God remains reigning over all. We have to look at this lesson and we have to ask ourselves, how is it that we are failing to see God in his sovereignty? How is it that we are forgetting to see God in all of his glory? And we bow our heads, realize who we are bowing heads before, that God is not a God who is to be messed with. Although we live in a world that screams and screeches against him, we will not do that. We'll bow our heads in glorious reverence and reverential awe, expecting and trusting God as our Heavenly Father to look after us, just as he looked after the church that we're learning from. Father, we thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are alive, that you are real, that you are here with us, that you speak to us, that you encourage us, and, Lord, that you love us. You love us, Lord, even when we are unlovable, when we forget you, when we neglect you. I thank you, Lord, for the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, that suffered on our behalf, that took the punishment and pain that we deserve so that we can have a relationship with you and we can have the hope of eternal life. God, I would ask that we would stay close to you in our prayer lives so that you enable us, strengthen us, that you keep voices shouting out of your glory so others will come to know you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.